Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to the Better Together podcast. I'm your co-host, Rosario Picardo. And I'm Callie Picardo. And today we've got a very exciting guest with us today, Dr. Derwin Gray, who had an incredible career as a professional football player, but that was not even the highlight of it because while he was in the NFL, he met Jesus Christ uh, and has actually gone into ministry now. He and his wife, Vicki, are the co-founders of Transformation Church in the greater Charlotte, North Carolina area. He is also an author, and one of his most recent books is called How to Heal Our Racial Divide, What the Bible Says and the First Christians Knew About Racial Reconciliation. So we are really excited to have Pastor Derwin with us today. Welcome to the Better Together podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you guys, some uh, fellow multi-ethnic church planters. And so that is a that is a unique uh, group of people. So I salute you and applaud you because it is not easy, but God hasn't called us to easy. He's called us to be faithful. So yeah, I'm excited to be with you guys. Amen. Yeah. Tell us, uh, you know, what inspired the book. And I'm, I'm sure your personal, you know, what you've experienced and what you've seen in the church. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. You, you know, um, pastor, what, what inspired me was as I have watched the church, I became a follower of Christ August 2nd, 1997 through a teammate with the Colts. His nickname was the naked preacher. His real name was Steve Grant and he would literally get his Bible and share Christ with the teammates. And I grew up on church. So I'm like, what's up with the heck half naked black man walking around? They said, don't pay no attention to him. That's the naked preacher. My wife came to faith through a lady at work over coffee. And so both of us were unchurched. We didn't have any filters. And so we had the Bible. And as we read the Bible, we began to see something that was incredibly beautiful. We began to see that Jesus not only forgives our sins, but he creates a family with different colored skins. And as this family loves each other, their unity would bear witness that he was indeed sent by the Father. Their love for one another would bear witness that they are their disciples. So we become Christians, we join a church, and as we're doing the church world, and I'm traveling and speaking because I'm a former NFL player with a testimony. So let's have this guy come share his story. And we began to notice that the nightclubs we used to party in had every nation, tribe, and tongue, but Jesus's club was ethnically divided. But it was like an open secret that no one wanted to talk about. You know, the Black church and its historical reasons for his existing was like, you know what? We don't trust the white people, so we'll just do our thing. The white church, which is politically incorrect to say, would kind of, well, we're trying. And you just had all these different groups. And I sense God saying, well, do something about it. 
And so that began us on the path of planting Transformation Church. We just celebrated our 13th anniversary, and God has been incredibly, incredibly faithful. And so I wrote How to Heal Our Racial Divide because following 2016, I seen an incredible shift in our nation and in the church. And all of a sudden, even more than in the past, any talk of ethnic reconciliation in a gospel was labeled as something other than the work of the kingdom of God, the outflow of the work of Christ. And then I began to see younger people, millennials and Gen Z, not know that Jesus literally came to build a multi-ethnic church that's racially reconciled. And then I began to see Christians run towards sociological answers and the gospel was not proclaimed. And so once again, I sense God say, well, do something about it. And so my doctoral work is in the New Testament in context. And so I was like, okay, so so let's look at Jesus and let's look at the early church and how were they able to do what the Roman Empire could never do, bring Jews and Gentiles together. In Galatians 3.28, which was the first letter that Paul wrote in AD 49, arguably one of the first letters in the New Testament canon, he, he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, free nor slave, male nor female, for all, we're all one in Christ. And in verse 29 says that we are all children of Abraham. And so God made a promise to Abraham. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Through Jesus' redemptive achievement, his life, his death, his resurrection, he brings together a family where our ethnicities are not obliterated, celebrated, where social economic division is crucified, where male-female division is crucified. And this family becomes a microcosm of what eternity will be. And so the message I just shared with with you is foreign to most Christians because we have turned the message of Jesus into like a self-help program. It's a transaction to like escape hell. Uh, Like he's like Tony Robbins with a halo on his head. Um, And so what I wanted to do was to be a part of a new reformation is like to reform, to get back to, this is what the Bible says. And so it is not only a theological book, but it's pastoral, pastorally sensitive, um, but also incredibly practical. People will read the book and go, I love Jesus more. I had no idea Jesus was this great. I had no idea this is what the church was supposed to be. I had no idea this is how I can be the hands and feet of Christ. So so it's also worship, right? Because what we forget, and I'm going to preach just a little bit, and I got preachers on here, so bear with me. We we love Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul is not talking to an individual. He's talking to Jews and Gentiles to say, in light of all that God has done in Jesus, become a living sacrifice together. That's temple language. We, the people of God, are the temple. Heaven and earth meet in us. Then it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so God is renewing our minds to see what his heartbeat is for the church. And then finally, 
What happens in the seats spills over into the streets through our missional presence. And so when the church is unified, then we can go into the banking world and say, hey, this policy is unjust. We can go into law and go, this policy is unjust. We can go into education and say, this is unjust. We become a means of bringing heaven to earth. Wow. And wouldn't it be amazing if the world started saying, hey, the church has figured this out. We need to go to these Christians and figure out how they are doing racial reconciliation, how we are doing some healing there. What if the church could lead the way there? Wouldn't that be a beautiful picture of perhaps how we're supposed to live? Well, you know, that is basically what happened in the early church is when you look at uh, uh, Acts 11, where Christians are first called Christians in Antioch, it was because they didn't know what to classify them. In the ancient world, your ethnicity was determined by your religious practices. And so the Jews found Jesus as Messiah. Gentiles no longer participate in idolatry. So the Roman world called them little Christ. That was their new ethnicity. So the term Christian, which is used three times, is a new ethnic group. And the early church used to say there were three ethnic groups on earth, Jews, Gentiles, and the Christians who were both Jews and Gentiles. And so I believe the devil has worked really hard to water down and deplete the gospel to a very individualistic self-help thing. And what I'm trying to do is I want to be a part of a reformation to get back to the heart of God. And so uh, How to Heal Our Racial Divide is the best book I've ever written. I couldn't have written a book b- b- better. When I look at that book, I go, everything in my soul is in that book. Everything that I've learned, everything that I've lived is in that book because I want to see <clears throat> what you said, Callie, is I want to see the world go, you know what? These Christians have figured it out. Let's go learn from them. Uh, but instead, we're kind of like the opposite. Yeah, unfortunately. So how do we start? Where do we even start, Derwin, with just moving back to the direction that we want to go? It just feels like we are so far where we want to be. I know some look at the problem and they say, I don't know that I can make a dent. So I'm just, I'm not going to even try. How do do we start moving in the right direction? Well, the best way to try is don't try, start to die. And what I mean by that is fall on your face, pray and fast and say, Lord, what in me needs to be crucified so that you can be fully expressed through me? That's one. And then two, spend time reading the Gospels and ask the Holy Spirit to show you afresh. So, for example, not only in my master's, not only in my doctoral work, And pretty much all throughout my umpteen years of being a Christian, I never saw what I wrote in How to Heal Our Racial Divide concerning Luke 4, 16 through 30. That's the messianic mandate where Jesus goes to his hometown synagogue and he lays out that I am the Hamashiach. I am the Messiah. And then he does something really interesting. He tells two stories about two Jewish prophets 
who do miracles for Gentiles. And then around verse 28 and 29, it says, they became enraged and they wanted to throw him off of a cliff. Why did they become enraged? <clears throat> because they wanted a Messiah that was just for Israel. But Israel's Messiah was always so that the Gentiles could see the Messiah and the Jews could see the Messiah, that he was a unifier. So right in that passage is how we can teach about ethnic diversity and what Jesus came to do. You know, like start with why did Jesus feed 5,000 people on one side of the Sea of Galilee and 4,000 on the other? Is because he knew both sides were hungry? Well, yeah, but <clears throat> one side was totally Gentile. The other side was totally Jewish. And Matthew 8, 11 says that Jews and Gentiles will come to Abraham's table for supper. In the temple, why does Jesus overturn everything? Well, he's quoting Isaiah 56, 7, and he tells the Sadducees, the Sadducees were the rich aristocrats, and they had bought temple booths from the Romans, and they were telling the poor people, as well as the God-fearing Gentiles, your, sac your sacrifices are not good enough. You've got to pay for ours. It was systemic injustice. And what did Jesus do? He said, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves because it's to be a house of prayer for all ethnos. Lastly, and this is just scratching the surface. I hope everybody goes and buys the book. But lastly, when Jesus said, go make disciples of all ethnos, he's talking to <clears throat> the 12 and there's like 108 more. And he's telling Jewish people, go make disciples of the non-Jews. You, you know, the Egyptians that held your ancestors in slavery, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the people who tried to wipe you out, the Babylonians, them and the Romans who are enslaving you now, go reach them. No wonder Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, but I tell you, bless those who persecute you and love your enemies. We have totally stripped that out of context. And here in America, here in America, um, the nations have come here. You know, um, one of the things that we as modern people do is we don't do a good job of history. So, um, Callie, if I could ask you, what is your ethnic background? Got a little Italian in me, but then a lot of everything else. I'm not quite sure. Okay. So, uh, Rosario, you're definitely Italian, right? He's I'm 100%. A, I'm 100% Sicilian. Okay. So, you near Africa, you probably got some African. And in, in, in you. So, yep. so uh, before the 1920s, the census in America would not say white. It would say Irish, Scottish, Italian. And the Irish were right above the blacks and the Italians were barely above the Irish and the blacks. And so we've had a coalescing of power for political expediency. And what Jesus is saying is, I want a coalesce of people 
for the kingdom of God, where our love, our sacrifice begins to be a paintbrush that paints beauty over an ugly world. And so what I've done in the book is I've tried to take people back so we can go forward. I've tried to, at the end of every chapter, is something to think about, something to pray about, exercises. But here's the bottom line. And this is just the way God has wired me. Um, I grew up poor. I was sexually abused. Uh, now that I look back, there was uh, emotional ne ne neglect, violence, trauma. Um, Jesus rescued me not to be a victim, but that what was sent to break me, God's going to use to make me. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. That I'm more than a conqueror in him who's in Christ. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's power can give us as followers of Jesus that attitude, but it doesn't start out there. It starts in here. And what's in here moves out there. And so I am on a quest like you guys to see the beauty and the fullness of Jesus, not only transform lives, but transform lives to the point that we love each other beyond our ethnicities. And we don't just tolerate, we celebrate. Amen. Well, we're uh, so grateful for you and your witness and testimony. Where can we pick up the book? You can get the book anywhere books are sold. Um, people buy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Christian book, wherever books are sold, you can pick them up. And I just want to encourage everybody that uh, all the proceeds go to needy children, my own <laughs> awesome. Amen. 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 <laughs> Listen, I got a wedding I got to save up for <laughs> coming up soon. And so, no, but seriously, though, uh, this is a labor of love. And my hope and my dream is there would be thousands of small groups throughout America and that the seeds of what's written in this book would become a garden of grace that's so beautiful that other people go, I want to be a part of that. I love that vision. And I love what you shared earlier of whether than trying, we got to figure out what inside of us needs to die instead of try, we've got to die. And it's so much of living better together and healing in the world starts with looking at our own heart and letting God transform us, but then letting the overflow of that love carry us to others. And so Derwin, thank you for joining us today on the Better Together podcast and for sharing about your book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide, Use, going back to scripture to find the way. It's been such a joy to have you with us today. As always, we ask that you would share this podcast with someone you know, whether it's a friend, a family member, co-worker, or somebody you go to church with, that they too would be inspired by Derwin Gray. Remember, until next time, we are better together. God bless.